Hello, everyone, and welcome to another American Scouser podcast. We are back, having watched a ton of international games. No, not really, but I am your host, Timuchin, as always, out of Chicago, and we have our regular crew. Gally is with us. Gally, what's happening? Uh, just enjoying this international break like, well, no, I'm not enjoying it at all. And Bickler is enjoying not only the international break, but the musical sounds and noises coming from his neighbor's dog. What's going on, Bickler? What's crapping? Yep, the neighbor's dog is upstairs. Rich people are slapping each other and still being rich at the end of the day. Yep, it's international break. Uh, we could probably just do an entire episode on the slap alone, but yeah, I kind of I don't watch any award shows. I'm proud to admit. I just put it up there with like pointless international games, I guess. But uh, yeah, I saw it afterwards, and you could not get away from it if you had social media, even if you wanted to. It felt like so. So, but another thing you guys can't get away from is trivia we have like an odd one this week so we're gonna head to benfica which i want to talk to you guys we're gonna talk about the april schedule later on on the pod it feels like we play porto every freaking year some reason but benfica we have not played in a long long time so there's gonna be some high number guesses coming from you guys when we play against them on april 5th how many days will it have been since we last played them in a competitive game. Let me put all the little dots and T's and all that kind of stuff in there. So, everybody got the question right. I don't want any debates afterwards. Bickler, we are It's just a calculator. I just want you to see. I'm like, just a calculator. Oh, okay. With what Google and the other browser. Give me a second. <laughs> I was going to say split screen in effect at Bickler's Army. Ask the dog. You can call a dog if you want. You want to use that. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to do my math here. Shh. 14 plus 34. Right. 34 this could take a while. 365. Gally, do you have it? Okay. Easy. I got it. What is it? 12,410 days. <laughs> yeah. You don't know how to use a calculator either, so we've established that. What do you have, Gally? <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to say, I, I think it's been like 10 or 15 years. I'm going to say like 4,400 days. Okay. No, it is not. Well, obviously, you guys are not going to get it right on the nose. We'll let that breathe a little bit. Actually, that's pretty darn close, though. But that's not 15 years, so <laughs> so maybe you should have borrowed Bickler's calculator to throw that I one. said 10 to 12 years, thank oh, you, I'm and then sorry. did the math in years. my head. You're pretty, darn, actually, you're pretty darn close. So we'll let that breathe a little bit more, but Gally is going to win by all means. <laughs> even when you're close, you're still an idiot, Gally. I was going to say, I, like, I love the insultive approach, like – you're pretty close, but like you said, 15 years. Originally, I, I was like, you said it's been like 15 as you were thinking in the background. This is why we don't like trivia. It's just the general condescension. We just get nailed with just something I look forward all, to every I was, week. Just I, was to talk just, shit. I was just asked a trivia question based on the number of days since. 
to something that happened more than a decade ago, and I'm the one being questioned for my answer. You, you ask can blame, that trivia You can blame BJ for the question. Alan says, greetings from Houston. We say hi to Alan, who's like a, one of our regular listeners. So, you know what? Why don't I just give the answer? It is almost 12 years. That's the thing. It's going to be 11 years, 11 months, and 27 days. Would you believe it when we play them? So almost 12 years, 4,380. So that was actually a pretty impressive off. close guess. You good? That was good. I didn't say you were bad. I was giving hell to Bickler. You know what? You guys yeah, maybe you need the calculator. BJ did suggest multiple choice, but I was too lazy to make those choices, so this was a lot easier. The truth is, BJ, you've got to actually give him the multiple choice. I mean, you, this is like releasing a, a domesticated rabbit into the wild. It doesn't know how to do anything for itself now. Oh, David Jennings says more excuses than Will Smith. Oh, that is a slap in your guy's face. <laughs> Listen, if there if, if if this question had multiple choice, I probably would have picked one that was about six, seven hundred uh, off of the choice that I made. So the <laughs> random guess of forty four hundred that I made, that was twenty total days off. Like twenty days, and you gave me flack like I was way off. Twenty days. Yeah. That's like basically. So much I for being a vessel of love. Okay, okay. Yikes. Thank God you're going against Bickler, so it's you know, it makes it look good either way. So while we're in a happy-go-lucky mood, let's really screw that up by talking about the international break. Uh, a typical international break for me, watch Turkey, get annoyed, get a glimmer of hope, get the hope smashed, rinse and repeat. Uh, they almost came back against Portugal after being down 2-0, but missed the penalty in the 85th minute that would have tied the game. And Turkey is out. It's almost like the torture is over. At least I don't have to have hopes. Why they're playing tomorrow uh, against Italy now is beyond me because it's kind of like meaningless. But uh, Bickler, I'm afraid to ask, have you seen any of the games? Absolutely not. And I've missed absolutely nothing. I am proud of you, I guess I have to say. Uh, Galli, how about you? I know you watched the Panama game or whoever they played. No, I, I actually didn't watch much of the Panama game um, the other night. I watched a little bit of the Mexico game, but uh, really it's been like paint drying. They were up before I even realized yesterday, and then I just kind of let it go. I watched the highlights. So I, I don't have a rant to give because it's hard to rant even when you win 5-1. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, that group looked like you could have predicted it. Canada, I guess, is a surprise uh, for, you know, like doing so well or whatever. But um, so I guess here's one question. As you guys, even when we're not watching it, as you guys are following, Gally brought this up. So I figured like we'll kind of like throw it around and get some input from like the listeners as well. Is do you guys care who makes it to the World Cup? Or like do you almost not want our guys going there? For example, Portugal as a game to play uh, tomorrow, if they win, they go through. Do you root for Portugal to win? Or do you kind of be like, man, I hope they don't win so Jota can stay behind and rest? Bickler, let's start with you since you're a man of international mystery. <laughs> well, if this dog upstairs will let me talk today, I'll try to get an Oregon Edgeworth loud little shit. Anyway, um, I apologize for the background noise, everybody. I have new neighbors and, and a loud dog. Um, so I, 
I am not actively pulling for Portugal. Uh, nothing against Jota. I just don't care for Portugal in general. I do want to see our players at the World Cup. Like, it's not like I, I care who goes to the World Cup. I do care who's in it. Like, to me, like, it hurts to see Italy not in it, even though I don't necessarily care for Italy. I, like, I think it's kind of like how we talk about American NCAA basketball, right? Like, the tournament's going on right now. Like, these stories, like St. Peter's, St., you know, like these 15 seeds making it all the way in the tournament, like these these sort of underdog stories are really nice. But at the end of the day, what sells is blue bloods, right? So you want to see these major heavy hitters in this tournament. You want to see the Italy's of the world. You want to see France. You want to see Spain. You want to see Germany, Argentina. You want to see those teams advancing in these big tournaments. Um, I would – I like the World Cup. I'm not a huge fan of international football in general. Outside, like I just prefer club football. But I do watch the World Cup, and I do like to see our, our guys in it. Um so yeah, I mean, I'll pull for. I end up pulling for fringe teams. Like I love, I like personally. Uh, I think I've talked about this before. I have a tie to the Netherlands, so I always like to see the Dutch do well. Um, but I like these fringe teams. Like Scotland making a run at it would be great if they make it in. Um, I like seeing some of the fringe teams, but at the end of the day, it's it's about the big boys. You want Germany, Italy, France, all those guys in the mix. Um, so yeah, I, I do like to see our guys in it. That's a good point. That's another thing we should discuss. Well, Gali, I'll ask you. First off, do you care who makes it? And then once they do make it, that is an interesting point. Do you root for the big dogs to make it so it's more like a top countries playing each other kind of thing? Or not necessarily maybe like you were saying in like a 15-ranked team, but I find personally myself tend to root for teams that are maybe kind of like middle of middle range but playing good football to kind of advance. Gally, where are you at with that? So as far as the, the football goes, I'm with Paul to the sense that I want all the great stories. So if a small country qualifies and earns their way there, I'm all for the story. And then I love the idea of them being there. Um, as someone with, you know, some very, very upset and uh, distraught Italian family members that Italy won't be playing in the upcoming World Cup. It is painful to have another World Cup happen without Italy, especially coming off of winning the Euros. But I think what's beautiful about the World Cup is the qualification process, even though it's different in different regions, which I think is always a little bit wonky for me, the way that they have round-robin tournaments with automatic qualifications out of groups. And then they have places like CONCACAF, where it's just a certain number of uh, finishers. I don't, I understand why they do it that way, uh, but I'm not a huge fan. When it comes to our players playing in it, normally I'm 100% with Paul. I want all of our players to go. I want them to represent. It increases their confidence. Sometimes it brings them back in a great mindset and like ready to attack the new campaign. I think next year is a little bit different. I think having a World Cup that's being played in the middle of your domestic campaign, um, I think does put a burden on the clubs and on supporters to actually kind of pick a side. And I won't lie, we have Scotland, Israel, Senegal, Portugal, Wales, and before last night, Japan, were all playing in qualifiers before the final round of qualifications even happened. We still could have ended up with Colombia in that. So that's a lot of our players on the fringe of having to play in a massive 
six-week tournament that's going to be truncated and just jam-packed on top of each other. So do I think it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have a few of those players not have to find their way to the middle of the desert in November next year for our club being selfish? I do. But I'm always going to root for the player to be able to have their dream and represent their country and have a chance to play in the World Cup. So I'm not going to root against Robo and those guys on Scotland, but I'm not going to be all that upset, honestly, if they don't make it, because I think it's better for our club. And like Paul, I always root club over country because clearly I root for a club from England and we all live in America. Yeah, that's interesting because I know I personally agree with Paul in terms of who qualifies. I want him to go. I mean, I kind of almost want to see our players there because I know they would want to be there. This is kind of like a huge deal for any professional player. And this is a very likable team and you want them to, you know, achieve their goals, I guess, if you will. At the same time, yeah, the having them play in the middle of the season does throw a curveball. Um, and like with the qualifications, uh, Sparky Parker says qualifications that balance. He was actually saying the Euros is harder to win than the World Cup. I like the World Cup better just because it brings so many different styles at the same time of like mm-hmm. football to the play. But I do agree that the qualifications is kind of like goofy in terms of, you know, just what some of the European teams have to face to get there compared to like some of the other ones. But at the same time, I just cannot see a way around that if you want equal is, representation in some ways. Is it weird to anyone else that like the Copa Americas and in the Euros, like there's not an automatic qualifying bid for the winner? Like that seems like that would make the most sense to me. I don't know. I mean, I think they just want, I know there's an argument against it. It just, to me, that makes the most sense. Yeah, I think they just end up – I agree with you, Paul. I think they just want those tournaments to have just completely separate and have them – have the qualification process be the same. And I guess as an example, you know, does does Italy deserve to be in the World Cup just because they geeked out a bunch of nil-nil draws and won three matches on penalties in the Euros? Because then they showed up for World Cup qualification, didn't lose any matches, but didn't win any of them either. And then they ended up trying to play – a you know must win match to a draw on penalties i mean they were trying to play that north macedonia game to penalties from 20 minutes on i mean it was it was really embarrassing as an italian you know a, a supporter of the italian side so they can't score goals so I, I really don't feel bad for them and you know as far as the automatic burst i think then we end up getting to too much of the ncaa tournament you, I don't know if you can get a team in for what they did two years ago, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, that's a good point too. I just feel like that. I wish there was a better way to not kind of like eliminate some of the better teams in Europe. Uh, but be careful what you wish for. Knowing FIFA, they'll be like, "Hey, we should make this like an eight-week tournament. Take even more teams and stuff like that, and like water it down for more games and money." But uh, it's just going to be odd uh, having that in January. All I know is, as it you know, a fan of a country. When you're from a country who makes rare World Cup appearances, you know, you always find somebody else to root for. And before freaking Neymar, uh, Brazil was a team for me where you know just the ball skills they have and how they control and how they move the ball around it's just like watching arts you know like watching those things play but i'm waiting for freaking neymar to retire because i refuse to root for 
a team that has Neymar in it. Despite us having several players in there, I just can't bring myself to do it because I know if they win, it's just going to be all about Neymar and not all the other players. So it's just crazy. So let's get back to our action. Hopefully after tomorrow, all this international mess will be done for quite some time and we'll not have to worry about it till the end of the season. And we will have to get back to getting our quad on. So, gentlemen, let's start with the title race first. So, before we even look at the schedule and kind of like compare us versus cities, Bickler, what do you think is the most important right now to win the title? Like, what do you put the value in? Because I even like saw some people saying, oh, despite City being a point ahead, you know, Liverpool is the favorite just because of the momentum and stuff like that, which I don't think I agree to. But do you put more importance on the momentum? The current points right now or the fixture list coming up? I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a right answer to that. I like, I mean, I know I I'm so in limbo here because I like I do believe we're on we're in the team in better form, which is unusual this time of year because usually after the new year, city is essentially unstoppable. And city is kind of they've dropped some points lately. Um I just look at the schedules and I, and I think we get tied up. We get so tied up in like, oh, who's got the easier run out? You know, who's going to get more rotation? Who's going to get more rest? And and I think it really probably is going to come down to form and fitness. I think those things are are two things like who's available, who's fit, who's in form. And I think those things are going to come into play. I don't necessarily think the run up and the matchups play as big of a part as like a lot of supporters want to make it because I think anybody can take off points off anybody in any given week. Like I think in any single week city can play Watford and beat them by seven, or they can go in and drop off like a last minute equalizer and drop points. Like, I think those are both equally capable of happening. Obviously the percentages say like, you know, city's going to pip three points nine times out of 10 there. Right. But I think, I think you can look at these matchups, and for every matchup, you could probably find a reason why one of those teams is going to take points off City, whether it be, oh, this team's in a relegation battle, or whether it's, oh, this team's fighting for a top four spot. Yeah, I mean, you could do that all the way down the line. So I, I really think it's just going to come down to who's the healthiest and who's who's the most informed. How about you, Gally? Where do you put the most weights? Fixture, form, current points. Uh, I would say I would only the only reason I would say fixture is that I think if you were looking for a reason why people are making us or saying we are the favorites, et cetera, from behind is I think the stack up of fixtures is tougher for city. And it's just because when the three or four marquee matchups, which hinge around the matchup that we have to play them, they're playing much tougher matches than we are every 72 hours playing Atletico Madrid compared to Benfica. And I think that is important. And I think that does have something to do with rotation. Now, I think to Paul's point, fitness is probably the real answer because there is a chance that they will have one fit center back to play against us on April 9th. I mean, they're suffering injuries with Diaz. They had stones go down during international break. Ake still plays and then doesn't. So, they actually have a little bit more of a fragile squad right now than I think we do. But that's a knock on wood statement because we could have three injuries in the Watford game and everything changes. So it's, it's going to take 
you know, we're going to look at the graphic in a moment where we actually see the amount of fixtures we have to play in the next, you know, coming month, month and a half. And it's really daunting when you think about it. So I think that what we're going to look at is, is a mixture of both the fitness of each player and then who is available for these fixtures. And I think we're going to get a lot more rotation than we're used to seeing. Well, your wish is my command, sir. So let's take a look at, first of all, the league fixtures that both sides have left rest of the way. I found it actually interesting that you think that we have easier schedule because uh, I kind of go the other route just because of the matchups and the teams that we will play with. Where do you see it, Bickler? Who has the easier run? Uh, if you're following us on YouTube or watching us live, I mean, we're looking at the schedule right now, but looking at the schedule for the rest of the year, who do you think has the easier path on paper, I guess? I It's just too close to call for me. I mean, I think you can really like nitpick this thing and go down it and look at like you've got bottom half teams. You've got like, I mean, you've got a couple of mid table teams, but you've got some relegation fighters in here too. So it's like, I mean, I think it's pretty even, even when you get to the final fixture, you're, you're basically Villa who can score goals and doesn't defend as well versus a Wolves team. That's essentially been pretty dominant defensively all year. I mean, last few weeks they've kind of fallen off defensively, but if they can recapture their original sort of shape and form, like that's going to be a tough game uh, to end the season with. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty equal. I, I think the one nice thing is we do have a two we, – we essentially have that one-week layoff um, where City has to play twice in a week. That can be tough. But, I mean, it's – it, I can't say – I think it's pretty even when I look at this all the way down. I think, you know, like even the first fixture here, like they got Burnley. That's a physically bruising match. But they could probably put Burnley away pretty easily because Burnley doesn't really threaten you uh, from an offensive standpoint. Um, and then we've got Watford, you know, who we should put away, but they're also in a relegation scrap. So they're a desperate team. And you just – you can never count out these teams that are desperate on the bottom trying to claw and stay their way up. I, it's just too close for me. I can't look at this and definitively say one's easier than the other. So what makes you say it is easier than Galia? Let me come to you because you kind of like made – because I find it very difficult to – I mean, I guess my main concern is I know United are shit, but it's still a United game. I know Everton is shit, but it's still a Derby than Everton game. Yeah, I, I won't, I think that I won't have that. That's what kind of throws me off. Yeah, I, I can't have that when it comes to the Everton thing. And the reason is you, there is the mentality. It is still an Everton game. It's still a United game. But at this point, if we are the side that we believe we are challenging for our quadruple, we're going to win those matches in must-win situations. And other than that, we basically have almost the exact same side. We're both playing Watford. We're both playing Newcastle. We both play Villa and we both play Wolves. And we play each other. Leeds and Everton, to me, are two relegation fodders battling it out. Would I say that United is better than Brighton? Yeah. You know, I, I do. I think Tottenham is better than Burnley if you're just skewing them up. But when I said I think we have the easier run, I think the fact that we are playing Benfica on the opposite sides of playing Man City in the most important game of the year 
and they are playing Atletico Madrid. And arguably it is more important for them to make sure they advance against Madrid than it is for us to beat them in the league. And I, I genuinely believe that. They need to fight for Champions League even more than we need to. And we have the easier draw. So to me, that puts us in an advantage. The fact that we both end up having, uh, we'll end up with an open weekend because the Wolves and Villa games aren't going to happen on the 16th and the 17th because we're going to play each other in the FA Cup on that weekend. Which ultimately means, again, they have to play a road game. We have to play a road game. Both those matches will probably happen one of the last two Wednesdays of the regular season when each team has three, four days. So, again, like, this is going to be a really, really truncated finish. And I just feel like we have one more home match, and I, I, I think we're better set up to play them on April 10th than they are to play us. And if I were handicapping this, that would make us the fifth. That was my point to why it was easier. I guess that's one. See, I personally am hopeful on this Burnley game, and I kind of like the the physical beatdown that they will be getting first from Burnley, and it's an away game, then Madrid before facing us. And then I think that matchup kind of does help us in that way, uh, especially knowing it's Atletico Madrid and how physical those games are going to be. And them already having some injury issues can only be the Burnley game alone. Hopefully, Sean Douche will make himself useful. Uh, but so this is going to affect kind of like how we go on and talk more about like lineups and stuff like that. So this is our April uh, in terms of like the matchups and the games we're going to play in the order that we're going to play them. And it is one heck of a month. But I mean getting the quad is not easy. So you, you want to win it. You got to, you know, it's got to be a tough schedule. It's just the way it is looking at this Bickler. And if you're making lineups kind of like planning, and I know club always says, you know, like one game at a time and stuff like that. But how do you kind of, do you take advantage of these Benfica matchups or is that just like a trap game waiting for us? I feel like you can't answer any of these questions tonight, man, because like I, we, we it's don't the dog, know. It's the neighbor. <laughs> it's just, we don't know the severity of Trent's issue. We don't know if like Robbo's sick, like where he has it is at his illness. Like we just do so many things we don't know in terms of timelines on these players. Um, I don't see, it's tough to find a spot where you can rotate on that schedule. It really is. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, you look, the only real rest spot comes at the very end of that when you've got basically Newcastle and Everton back-to-back. And, like, even still, it's, like, uh, it's 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 going to be interesting, man. I don't, I don't know, like, it will be interesting to see because, I mean, I know, I think, I expect that we're going to see some James Milner, uh, especially in the Champions League. Uh, I know that Kanate generally gets starts during Champions League matches. So, I mean... You could see some rotation across the back line with that situation happening, but I think the really the, the huge question you've got you've got the parts to do rotation up top now for the first time with Jota, Bobby, and Diaz finally all together. So you've got you've got the ability. I don't know what that looks like, and I think I think the real mystery is midfield because like we know how important Thiago is, but we also know it's real tough to get ninety minutes out of. Um, we know Nabby's there and he's available and I think he's performed pretty well, 
I don't know where he slots in at this moment. Like if he's starting ahead of Thiago and you're bringing Thiago off the bench, that's what made sense to me. But last game, that's not what we saw. Thiago got the start um, ahead of Abby. So I think there's a lot of – there's the pieces to rotate. I just don't know how – I don't know how it's going to play out or where it's going to play out. I really don't. Gally, do you have an answer for us? Lineups, how do you think? Or let, let me answer this way. I, and I agree. I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Bickler, you know, give you the neighbor's yeah, you do. but yeah, I guess I do. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I think, you know, obviously it's impossible to know, you know, what can come up or how club would approach it. I guess maybe I should ask the question as like, what would you do? So Gally, what would you do? If you were club, well, I think he is going to rotate. I don't think it's going to be mass wholesale changes. I think, I think you'll probably see Van Dyke start probably every one of those matches. Maybe he'll get one of them off. Um, I think that you'll see Henderson start five of them, literally. And I think Fab will start five or six of them. And I, I think that's what he's going to do. I think he's going to mix and match. To, to the Tiago question, I think we're going to see the four midfielders starting with the, the solid midfield three of Fab, Hendo, Tiago, Keita as the sprinkled-in spot starter. And then I think Jones will play a role this month, um, playing some minutes, maybe getting a start in the Champions League. You know, ideally, you hope that that second leg at home, um, leading into the FA Cup final or semifinal, you're hoping that that is somewhat of a job done tie and you can rotate there. You can play Costas. You can play, you know, uh, maybe even, I mean, he won't start Taki, so I won't even bother saying it. Uh, but you start a, a, maybe a Divac up top and you give guys a rest. Because I, I think these guys are going to get asked to play more minutes over the next eight to 10 weeks than they've probably been asked to play at any time that they've been at Liverpool. If, if we are able to succeed and, and go as far in each of the four competitions or three competitions. we have. So I guess my biggest thing is when I look at this April schedule, for example, the one thing that kind of like sticks out to me is the fact that there is only one game over there that you can kind of make up for if it doesn't go your way. And if you roll the dice and it doesn't really turn out away, and that's the Benfica away game. And that kind of lines up right before the City game. So I feel like, you know, if we take advantage of, I guess, at least on paper, more favorable Champions League matchups, that would be the game and that would be the time. Because also, then you come to the City game, based on how the City game goes and the result, you know how you're going to move forward with the league. And then, like I say, after Benfica, it's the same way. And I don't know how much importance we will, both parts will give to FA Cup because it really depends on how City goes. So Dave Leslie asked a good question. So if you're going to get Thiago 90 minutes, which game do you try to get 90 out of Thiago? I don't think you can ever get 90, but let's go with 70, 75, Pickler. Which games are you kind of picking from that schedule and say, these are the ones I want him in? I mean, I guess I was going to say, if I'm getting 90 from Thiago, I'm also going and getting a lotto ticket. Um, like, I think uh, if I want 90 from Thiago, uh, I would probably put, I, I mean, b- both City games. 
like it seems like a cop out, but like, yeah, I would I would want him for the the tenth for sure. And then if he's still got two legs on him uh, for the the one the game at Wembley. And that's another thing we get the advantage of. You know, I know we don't always use it as much uh, for subs. Klopp doesn't, but we do get five subs in those Champions League games too. So we'll be able to. I, I expect a lot of rotation. I agree with Bickler. I think midfield is the biggest question here in terms of rotation. I feel like we have a lot of answers up top where we can kind of mix and match or even like substitute and stuff like that. But midfield is where it's tricky because there are some parts in there I feel like is very hard to replace. Fabinho being one of them as a key one. Maybe not when we're playing against, for example, Watford at home or something like that, but obviously in the City games and the Champions League games. Um Chris Strange says, if Thiago plays 90 minutes in any game, Bickler has to drink tea, not coffee, for a week. You know, we really set a dangerous precedent last year when I took a bet. Like, this is... Uh... Which is exactly why we should take another one. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had you singing on the podcast. We did it. We, we had it for. I just remember... We essentially won out, team. too. I mean... Um... What was it for? It was basically that if we won out and made top four, because we had to basically win out for the last two months of the season. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm down with that. If we get if we get 90 from Thiago, I will switch to T for an entire week. For an entire week? Yeah. Okay. So what will you sacrifice for a quadruple? Me like why do you gotta why do you always gotta cross that boundary, man? Like I just took a bet and like you're <laughs> there you're, are like, no boundaries on this podcast, Paul. <laughs> there are yeah, no boundaries. Oh man. What will you sacrifice? Tea for a month, nothing but no coffee for a year. What do you got? We're talking a quad here. Let's I mean, just do, lifetime. let's do one bet at a time. We've got plenty of time left in the season for you to I rake me over the coals and squeeze another bet out of this deal, all right. Yali, right. are you like sacrificing a lamb or something like that? What are you gonna do? I, I'm not sacrificing anything. I'm gonna <laughs> root for the squad to win. I'm just sacrificing the lamb. I'm gonna sacrifice the dog upstairs from Paul's house that makes him mute. I'm down with that. Chris Rain says if we do the quad next season when he goes to the pub, he has to go full kit wanker. Actually, you know what? That is that is that would be priceless. That would be priceless. That may be one that I like pass on. If you're not Discord channel, you know Chris's love for jazz, by the way. So I want Chris to sacrifice if we win the quad, listen to nothing but jazz for like a straight week. I think <laughs> if everybody's gonna have yes. to suffer, we will have to come up with a list on our Discord fan channel of what everybody's putting on the line over here. So he has to go as Anchorman playing jazz flute for Halloween. <laughs> um, hey, small price to pay. And Chris says it's a deal. So let's go back to the schedule. Obviously, the Watford game is first. Bick, I'm not going to ask Bickler first, Galley, because you know he's going to like dance around and say there's so much unknowns and stuff like that. So let me ask you, what do you project for a lineup this weekend when the boys are back in action? Yeah, so I, I haven't looked at the calendar to see, like, when they're coming in. You know, for some reason, the Brazil team always seems to come in, like, 15 minutes before we're supposed to play. Um, it always feels like they come back and they're like, well, it's a question mark whether or not they'll be back in time. And then they, like, show the plane landing. And they're like, ah, they might be able to play. Um, so 
with that, like, I, I might even say, you made the comment earlier, like, maybe Fabinho isn't needed for that. Traveling, playing in both, playing in the international games, um, the travel all the way from South America. Maybe you rest a Fabinho in that match. So maybe in that game or match, we, we end up seeing the uh, Henderson, Keita, and Thiago midfield to start. You know, Thiago's not playing with Spain right now. Keita stayed back after his injury. Uh, and maybe, you know, you, you assume Hendo will get that start. So I'll put that in the midfield. I'll rack up the back four to what we'd expect it to be with Gomez at right back. And the front three, let's say it's Salah, uh, Jota, and Diaz. Hmm. How about you, Bickler? You got time to prepare now. What do you got? Uh, I will go Robo, Verge, uh, Matip, Gomez across the back line, Fab, Nabi, Hendo in the mids. Uh, Mane, Jota, Mo up top. But I mean, who fucking knows? I don't know anymore. That's what I would do. <laughs> I'm going to name this episode Who Fucking Knows. <laughs> yep. Because I think this is probably the word we've used the most in this one. And there, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, I mean, you know, I'm giving you shit, but uh, there is going to be a lot of questions because we don't even know how many of these injuries are actual injuries, like the right. paper one or ones that are, you know, like old school, don't want to go to international trip kind of injuries. Uh, but Sparky Parker was asking earlier, and I know we already committed all our sacrifices. Well, except Galley. I guess I got to come up with something too, but. Um, if we don't get a quad, let's say, let's put the if question out there. If you guys had to pick one of them, uh, Sparky Parker was saying league or Champions League, and he picked the league. I, I mean, if those are my two options and quad is another option, I think I'm taking the league as well. Uh, how about you, Gally? Yeah, I'm always going to go for the league. I think it's the uh, it's the greatest. It's the actual. Uh, it's the greatest return on the investment of time it's 38 matches it's the hardest to do it to me represents you know really who the best is because it's done over this large uh scale you know we talked about the ncaa tournament you can get hot for six weeks you know in nhl hockey you can get a hot goalie and you can win the stanley cup it takes a lot to be the best of anything over a 38 match sample size so to have that happen and to be able to do it in front of the supporters for the first time and, oh, wait, by the way, in front of this supporter for the first time because me and Megan are going to be in the audience on May 22nd at Anfield. So, yes, if that trophy is getting lifted, I surely want it to be the Prem. Me and you. Yeah, Megan. see, you had to bring this up and rub it into Bickler. He's shaking his head in misery over there, and it's not just the dog in the background because Mr. Passport over here is not able to finagle the trip. Megan is pretty much living in Liverpool halftime now, so that does not even count. Uh, she just came from a long trip and headed back there again. But, hey, if I could, uh, I definitely would. I mean, especially with those matchups over there, too. How about you, Bickler? I know you're in misery now, but... No, I mean, I hope to have a really great time. And, like, you know, have a, have a awesome... Don't, I mean, have a good, good time, and I'll be fine. I mean... <laughs> I'm not upset. I don't want to upset or anything. 
But, nope, uh, you don't sense any jealousy or negative feelings from me at all. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> like if I had to pick one, I mean, the obvious one for me that, that we would have to drop off is the FA Cup because we've already won a domestic cup this year. So that's the easy one for me. Like if I had to, if like we can still win two, if it's down between Premier League and Champions League, I think the old schoolers really love the glory of the Champions League Cup. I, I feel like that's almost like a generational or an age thing like i feel like it's almost every time like the old school is really goal for the champions league uh for me it's premier league all day i just think it's 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 a harder achievement i think it's a bigger achievement and i think it's more important from a status and financial impact for the club like i think that like winning the title does more for the actual club liverpool does and than, than maybe winning the champions league does um so yeah i would i would pick premier league I would too. Leslie says, call me greedy. Got to catch them all. Don't want City lifting anything this season. And honestly, like, I would not put them as the second favorite right now for Champions League. I think that team has a lot of, like, you know, psychological things in that Champions League, which has cost them the Champions League in the past. It's funny you bring that up, Paul, like the old-timers thing, because, I mean, pretty much, if there is anybody that's listening live right now in the comment section, if your preference is Champions League, Tell us why, because I honestly, I don't think I've seen anyone say Champions League yet. But you said that's interesting because I was like, who would? You think like the old timers really just because, you know. Yeah, so um, Brian, who owns and runs characters in New York City, you know, he put this post up like I would say probably like two or three weeks ago. And it was like fairly split, like between people that wanted Champions League and Premier League. But it was like. A lot of old Scouse, Liverpool blood, um, Champions League. And I think a lot of that is because they have these really distinct memories of traveling to Champions League games with family and their dads and their uncles. And I think there's like this lore in the travel of Champions League and winning these big matches in Italy, winning these big matches across Spain. I think that kind of wraps itself into it, whereas a lot of us who are maybe – not from Liverpool or haven't necessarily had the means to travel with the club. We look at, I mean, the premier league is, is, is what we've always chased. Right. And I think for a lot of people, even, even Liverpoolians, I think the, the premier league is, has blossomed and grown into such a huge thing. And I think city's dominance also helps that argument because like city is arguably one of the most dominant football teams of any era ever put together and assembled. And like Liverpool has been right there with them. So I think for the history and the tradition of Liverpool and for us writing our own legacy, the, 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 the push to win the Premier League has sort of like kind of got pushed to the forefront as well. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting thing. Go ahead, Gally. No, I was going to say, I kinda, I'm with Paul there. And I think part of it too is, is and I think part of why some of the, um, you know, well, let's not call them old. We'll call them seasoned supporters. Um, well, they, Sparky Parker is uh, very proud. He says, I'm an old-timer, always go league. <laughs> there we go. Well, and there, and that kind of speaks to the point, though. But Paul's saying some of the old-timers he's hearing about are, are kind of 50-50 or leading towards the European Cups. And I wonder if some of that is, is because, well, back in the old-timers' days, we won the domestic league trophy like we were City today and we were United. So those special European, the years where we won the European trophy, where we won the European Cup, that was the really special years because there were times where we won the league five out of seven years and six out of eight years. We had runs like United had had in the 90s and City has today. So I think sometimes it's about 
you know, the age of the supporter. And I think right now, so many people have, especially here in the States, have gotten on the Premier League train. And, you know, we've watched a lot, a lot of football, and we've been waiting for Liverpool to have their run. And it was great a couple of years ago, but let's be real. If it wasn't us, we would have said things like, well, it's weird. There's no supporters. They had a break in the middle of the season. It was, it was awkward. And it didn't feel the same as it would be if they win it on the last day in a big emotional, you know, Aguero-like moment. Or if, you know, City capitulates and Gerard's able to, and Villa are able to get a, a, you know, result there on the last day and we pip them for the title. I just think there's something to watching a club for nine months and having it culminate with your team lifting a trophy more than winning a couple penalty kick shootouts and maybe an odd tie that, you know, randomly hinges on a late goal here or there. I just think there's so many variables in knockout football that the beauty of a league title is just nothing compares to. I think that's like a good point you brought in terms of like why the old timers might, because it was almost like, you know, the league title was almost taken for granted. Like we're going to win that anyway kind of thing. So that's a good point. I think, you know, if that mindset, and I think Paul, the biggest thing is if, you know, we were at what would it be now, 32 years or whatever, I think hundred percent would probably say league, but I think just the fact that we recently won it and that, you know, the 30 story, you know, 30 year thing is over kind of helps maybe people pick Champions League. Otherwise, like I said, two, three years ago, I think it would be 100% for the league. Yes, no, maybe? No, I agree with no. that. <laughs> You're like, yep, that sounds about right. Well, Spiky Parker says, just as, just as Gerard eight swap Champions League medal for league all day long. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And I'm sure, but that was kind of like because it was – like so painful that we were close, we didn't get there and stuff like that. And I feel like we've kind of like jumped over that now. But to me again, and I agree with Galley, the fact that it's so much more difficult to win and it's more of a accumulation of being kick-ass all year or playing your best all year as opposed to, yeah, some maybe a couple of favorable matchups and stuff like that. I mean, mind you, we've kind of like swept this thing so far. And it's been like an impressive run, except maybe the last, you know, inter game, obviously. But um, I still would like if I had to pick one. But like Le Dave Leslie says, let's be greedy and get all four. So with the Watford game coming up, this crazy April will start. How will it start, Bickler? Score-wise, what do you predict for Saturday's game? With the international break, the break is being taken by the Thursday podcast as well. But... Who do we have for a score? What do we have for a score? Let's go 2 0. I think it'll be kind of cagey. Um, I just never liked the way that we play coming off internationals. Although last time we came off internationals, we were pretty sharp. I'll go 2 0. I think one of them will be a pen. Uh, yeah. Spoppy Carpy has the same 2 0. And yeah, Chris Strain, who you do not want to take his predictions to kind of sit back on the couch. Says 5-0, we're going to slap them like Will slapping Chris. What do you, not Chris, you Chris, uh, not you Galley. Nobody would be slapping you except. Well, oh, I Kelly know. slaps me constantly. But if you want to give that information, go right and central. On her birthday, <laughs> a day after her birthday, day before her birthday, it don't matter. Um, 
I'm going to say 3-1. And, you know, if it wasn't coming off an international break, I think we'd beat them up even more. Uh, I think that this Watford team's about to really hit the skids. I won't be surprised if they and Norwich are relegated in the next, like, three, four weeks. Um, but I really think they're going to struggle. And I think we'll come out, we'll score a couple early. They'll get a cheap one probably in the I was actually going to go for 3-0. Alan Walnut says 3-1. He even calls a goal, a penalty for Mo. Um, I guess my biggest concern, because I'm a warrior, and I agree with Bickler, sometimes after these international breaks, and it's an early game as well, which is another thing that's never good for us. Uh, I kind of like worry about that aspect of it. But otherwise, I mean, Watford does not... That's the thing when we talk about the schedule. You look at some of these games and you feel like, well, that should be an easy one, but there is no easy games. That's why I'm really hopeful about this whole Burnley thing because I think it will put even more pressure if we take care of business and beat Watford on City and we know they do not deal with pressure well. So last question before we call it over here. kind of wanted you guys to get your take on this. If you picked one key player rest of the season that you feel like we need him to perform at a top level to kind of go where we need to go. One player that you want in form rest of the year, who do you have galley? So I am saying this based on the fact that I think that, you know, Mo and Mane and kind of Van Dyke are top, top performers will stay as top, top performers. I think if there's one guy right now that I think could get back to form that we saw earlier is Jota. Because I think what Jota does is he scores poachers goals on a team that doesn't usually have a poacher. And he pops up, he scores big goals, and he scores differentiating goals. You know, the, the amount of actual match-winning um, goals he scored and created since he came to us is unbelievable in the amount of per, in the actual percentage of all the goals he's contributed in. So I, I'm going to go out and say it's Jota because I think he's going to get the majority of the minutes through the middle. And I think it's important that our wide players have a player scoring opportunities they're creating. And I think he gives us the best chance. Hmm. How about you, Bickler? I know it's so difficult. So I will end the season the same way I started it. And it was, I think, September. When I said that if Trent keeps playing the way that he's playing, we'll be unbeatable. Um, he, When he was in his most unreal form of his career early on this season, we were unplayable. And I think if he, you know, that's the big question mark is, is how hurt is he? And I think that if he comes back, and he's if he hits that top for me hit in September, there is City on its best day can't touch us. And I really feel strongly in that. We have created an entire system based around this player. Uh, for all his deficiencies defensively, and I do think he's not a good on-the-ball defender, we don't ask him to do that because he's got such a unique role in this side. I think him at his best at his game makes us unplayable. This is odd, like just did the different responses from like the listeners right now, too, because we've had uh, Allison, who I agree. I almost feel like he's there for those key saves. I think it becomes a trick question because like Gally was saying, there are some players who perform a lot more consistently. But if I picked one player 
that I really want to be in form, honestly, is probably Mo. Like the beginning of the season, Mo, I think that puts such a fear in any team we play against. It really opens up a lot of stuff on the other side. They always have that fear, but when he's almost like plays that unstoppable game, like if you look at his last month or two, I don't think it's the same uh, mode that we've had before. I mean, David Jennings says Henderson, which I think I, is a great shot actually, too. I was Go actually going to say, can I throw out a wild? I was going to say, can I jump in with a wild card? It was right before Jennings jumped in. And I was going to say, he won't be our best player. He won't be the even the most important player. But it might be the most important that he's playing the best football he can. Because when Hendo is playing at his highest level, everything around him works. Everyone's better. Everyone within a triangle of him is better. They all seem like they're crisper, they're quicker. And it's also his leadership and his skill set. I would honestly say if you flip the question and you ask me what player can we least afford to lose, I might argue it might be Henderson even more than Mo. And I'd argue that we've been missing Henderson for months. We have. And that's why – but he asked who, who would get back to form. That The question was, like, who needs to be great down the stretch? Who could be the most important? That's why I went to Jota because I think we've been missing Jota for two months. You know – really like that good Jota that actually makes an impact. And I, I'm with you, Paul. I don't think we've seen the best Henderson. I just am not optimistic. I think you've seen the best of Jordan Henderson at this point. And I, I am a huge supporter of Jordan Henderson. I think that he is the metronome in that midfield. I just think at his age with his injuries, and I, I just don't – I don't see him getting back to, to two years ago. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to argue against it. I think if he – he, but I just think that we haven't seen the form that you guys are talking about in over a year. Yeah, it's fair. I would agree to that. And Chris Scott says Hendo peaked in 1920, which I agree. I, but, you know, to what Dave Jennings and, you know, obviously Dave is answering that question, like who will we need to be informed? And, you know, when we talk about earlier, we said like the midfield is where we're kind of like, Ugh, we don't know who's going to be out there and what the combination and rotation will be. I think an informed Hendo with Fab over there would, wouldn't matter who the third person is as much, I think. Uh, Henderson not being informed would be hard. I'm mean, Chris Strain says the fact that practically the whole team could be named shows the strength of the current squad. And yeah, I mean, it, because it is a team and there's a lot of movable parts compared to what we had before. When we talked about it a couple of podcasts ago, I mean, bringing on, you know, from the bench, you know, Bobby and Mo would be unimaginable a few years back. And I feel like we have the depth now, but so let me that uh, take that question to you, Bickler. What Galley said earlier, if you took one player out, right? You said, Galley, the way you worded that, who we wouldn't be able to afford to leave out? Is that how you worded that question? Because you know yeah, Bickler is going to want me to reword it. One player that we couldn't afford to lose, I guess. And, and I was honestly assuming that Trent is back because I think we all know that we can't afford to not have Trent. Yeah, I mean, that probably was compared to Mo and Hendo. Was what I compared. Yeah, I think my one player you can't afford to lose is probably Mo, just because of the the upside. Like the the top end of Mo completely changes the game for everybody. Like you know what I mean? I think uh, I think you can almost get away with everybody at a seven on that side, 
But if you took Mo out, like I think that changes, that changes a lot. I think, and I know that we've won without him. I know when he went that you know Afcon, we we won games. I just think him at his his best um, is is pretty pretty tough to replace in general. I mean, I think I, I if you lose, like if you lose Trent, like against my original argument, if we lose Trent, the system can change and we can still be effective. Um, I think if you lose Mo, you have a real hard time like sort of replicating what he brings. Yeah. Jennings says Van Dyke, which I agree. I mean, obviously that back line would be gone. It's almost like take that for granted and assume, I guess. Right. Cause he's always back there. Uh, honestly, the second player I would probably name is Fabinho uh, in terms of that spine, you know, with Van Dyke and him and like Allison behind it. But I, like I say, I, I agree with Paul in terms of Mo being important. That's why I feel like, you know, if I had to pick one guy to be a peak form, it would be Mo. Cause even in games where you're not maybe creating as much, an informed Mo just makes crap out of nothing and scores. I feel like he's forcing a bit more, kind of like turning the ball over a lot more. Uh, let's see how the game goes tomorrow. I don't know if the World Cup. I mean, this one, I almost want Mo to go. I feel like Senegal already won their thing. Let Mo go to the World Cup. So everybody's happy and stuff, but I guess we'll see what happens there. Chris Scott says up front, I want to see an informed Bobby. He makes the other look better. Man, that's a good shout, too. This was kind of like a loaded question. I just question, think that's file under Hendo, right? That's file under Hendo. You those you peaked two years ago. I just think you're not yep. ever going to get it back. And I'm like the biggest Bobby guy in the world. Hmm. Man, so many choices. And now it begins. And I know a lot of people were complaining about, you know, the schedule, April and stuff. But, man, it is going to be freaking exciting. And we could come out of this April and be like, holy cow, what a ride that was. And be on top of the world, on top of the league and everything like that. So, gentlemen, thanks a lot as always. Thanks to all those commenting and joining our live recording uh, every Monday at 7. And, I, like I said, Thursday we're taking a break with the international breaks, but starting next Thursday, we're going to be at 7 p.m. Central over there as well. Everybody take care, and we'll see you guys next Monday after a win against Watford. Take care, everybody.